Welcome to Geared for Growth. This week we're chatting with Byron Miller, who's the Managing Director and Principal of Asset Agents in the Sunshine Coast. We have a chat to Byron about his background in real estate, how he became an investor at 20 years of age, and we really tease apart the Sunshine Coast market. We talk about the growth drivers, the arrival of players like Stockland increasing supply, and what the main drivers are for capital growth with some of the new projects such as the airport expansion and hospitals and that sort of thing. We talk about some opportunities for investors and how to interview a property manager and make sure that you're getting someone looking after your investment the way that it should be done. It's a great interview and I'm sure you'll enjoy it. Here's Byron. Byron Miller, thank you for joining us on Geared for Growth. Hey, my pleasure, pleasure Mike. as well. Thanks for having now, me. Kick us off, Byron. Who are you and what do you do? Yeah, so I'm a real estate agent on the Sunshine Coast in Queensland, and I suppose I specialize in selling properties and managing awesome. investment properties. And uh, you're Palmwoods, right? I live in Palmwoods. We have an office in Palmwoods, but we service the entire okay. Sunshine Coast. And where, whereabouts Coast. does Palmwoods sit on the Sunshine Coast? Is that sort of Noosa Way or that's where we landing? It's that right sense. in the middle. That makes sense. Yeah, so it's right in the middle. So we're we've got really fast access to both awesome. ends of the coast, which now, is perfect for let's us. Let's get some some dirt on you, Byron. What posters were on the bedroom wall as you were growing up? <laughs> uh, I had posters nice. of uh, Porsches. I can I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> now it's not sort of giving us any sort of you know uh, insights into things that you'd like to sort of push under the rub. You know, like feel free to to share any embarrassing you know like eighties Kylie Minogue sort of fetishes or anything like that. Just the Porsches. Yeah, no, I was I was probably a pretty boring kid. I was. Um I was kind of pretty career orientated when I was really young, so I, I had like five jobs when I was ten. Wow, and that kept me pretty busy. <laughs> I was saving up. Oh, wow. I was saving so up for my bedroom wall was essentially your vision board. <laughs> yes, so how that's did you right. Get started I started in property, and what was your first investment, Byron? Uh, when I was about twenty, I bought a two-bedroom unit in the Sydney right. suburb of Bexley. The agent at the time, he showed me three apartments and the last one was the best and I just said, I'll take it. Um, <laughs> I paid the asking price. <laughs> I, had no, I, I assume I had no your idea. negotiation skills have sort of come along since then. And, yeah, and dramatically. So 20 years luckily. ago in Bexley, <laughs> I think people are forming an orderly queue to, to buy that one now if they can lock in the same price. Did you hold on to it long enough to, to see a couple mm. of cycles? No, no. That was actually about 30 right. years ago. So it was when I was about 20. So um, it was about 30 years ago I bought that. No, I had no idea back then, mm, so I didn't bring, hang on to that. Bring that up. It's probably painful now. <laughs> Yeah, a couple of years ago, I did some research on it and what its potential value was, and it kind of yeah, that's called that's called masochism. You should you should keep away from that. Now, um, you you mentioned you you uh, you've got an entrepreneurial background from from being a young kid. Can you tell us about those businesses that you were involved in and 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 chart us sort of through to to today and and how you got into to real estate? Yeah, just just briefly. Um, I, I, was, I hated school, so I dropped out of school. I didn't finish school. 
And I had my first proper job was making laundry tubs. Um, I didn't do that for very long though. And then I got a, um, a job working in the Apple computer industry. Before it was cool, right? Um, and I was in that. Before it was cool. What's that? Before it was cool. Yes. That in, in the late eighties, no one <laughs> even knew what they were. <laughs> yeah. So, um, but that was pretty amazing working um, in the Apple industry for about 10 years. I learned a lot doing that. Um, and then after that, um, after the Apple industry, I met um, from the Apple industry, I met John McGrath because John McGrath was one of my mm. clients. And John McGrath owns McGrath Estate Agents. Back then, he had six sales agents working for him. Um, and he was a client of mine in the computer industry. So I, he was a client for about five years. And I watched him grow yep. from about six agents to about 86. And then when I decided to move out of the industry, it was really seeing what he was doing um, in yeah, real wow. estate that motivated and, me to move into real and, estate. And how has that sort of business yeah. experience assisted you within real estate? I guess watching what John has been able to do has, has, has helped you to some degree. Yeah, or from a, from a distance, sure. Yeah. Um, yeah, John McGrath is a pretty amazing person. Absolutely. Um, when I um, when I moved into the real estate industry, I also started a couple of businesses. I started a business in Sydney, which is a real estate marketing business called Mind the Gaps. And the Mind the Gaps specialized in real estate marketing for agents. So we did virtual tours, photography, video, yep. floor plans, copywriting, all that type of stuff. Um, then I moved to Queensland and started, which I franchised all around Australia. Yeah, wow. yeah and, th- and that's still going? Yeah. Both those businesses are still going. I just no longer yeah, the owner. Fantastic. It sounds like you're in the Lorikeet business these days. Just, uh, we're getting a, an insight into to, to some of the, the beautiful fauna in the Sunshine Coast. Um, <laughs> so, obviously, you own um, your office now in the Sunshine Coast, and, and, and that's an area that's been on the radar for investors for a while. Can you run us through <clears throat> sort of geographically how the Sunshine works, where the sort of boundaries are, how far from Brisbane? Just give us a bit of a – for people that, that – sort of haven't visited or invested there gives a bit of an idea about how the sunshine coast sort of ticks yeah it's it's a hundred kilometers from brisbane so it's about an hour's drive up the freeway um it starts at caloundra um and then it goes 65 kilometers up to noosa and then it goes out to the hinterland where you've got Mullaney and montville And what uh, yeah. sort of people live in the Sunshine Coast? Is it is it uh, is it retirees? Is there uh, you know professional services? Do, pe- do people commute to the city and live in the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, it's a it's a very big mix of people. Absolutely, there's retired people here, but I probably say there's more families move here. It's a very family orientated place yep. to live. So um, lots of mums and dads um, want to come here to raise their kids. That's what we did. We left Sydney to raise our kids here. So it's been really fantastic for us. Um, and there's definitely a percentage of people that do commute to Brisbane. So um, you can jump on the train in Palmwoods. Um, Palmwoods is on the train line. It's about an hour down into the city. Or you can drive, which will take you about an hour and a half in yep. peak hour. Um, but most people on the coast, they want to live um, and work on the yep. coast because they're kind of coming here for lifestyle yeah. reasons. And are, are there many sort of larger style employers? Like what, what are the employment opportunities in, in the Sunshine Coast? Yeah, there's definitely – when I came here in 2005, there wasn't. Um, employment was pretty grim. I, I, I went for a job when I first got here. It was a general manager position, and 
you had to manage 30 staff and you had to know Myob and know their computer program and have all this leadership skills. It was quite a big role. And I was quite excited about it. And then I found out they were going to pay me $35,000 a year. And that's kind of what the income was like in 2005. Um, But it's changing now. So UE Insurance, they um, have their head office here. They employ like over 1,500 staff and they pay really well. So lots of people here work for UE. And that's kind of what's happening now. Um, We're bringing in big companies like that that pay well. And that's really helping us. The other thing that happens here on the Sunshine Coast too is we get a lot of miners fly in, fly out. Yeah, workers. okay. We've seen. So sorry. We, lots, lots of miners. Yeah, here. okay. <laughs> we've we've seen. Obviously, there is demand because you, we've seen some big players move into the Sunshine Coast. Um, you know, such as Stockland doing the big sort of house and land developments and mm-hmm. some of the medium density sort of yeah. stuff. How, how has the region changed in that regard in the last five or so years? Has it been a real sort of gentrification or is it just, you know, just, just growing in size? Yeah, right now, Stockland, they've got about four developments here on the coast. The biggest one is um, called Aurora, and that's that's really big. That's going to have seven public schools, eight private schools. They're selling about 500 blocks a year. That's a pretty mm. big development. Um, there's also... Harmony, Mississippi Downs, Park Lake and Bly Bly, Habitat in Palmwoods. There's lots of development going on here. Interestingly, though, is we still don't really get too many traffic jams. Well, that's something to... People talk about. That's something that's going to attract people to the region on its own, I think. Yeah. People do hear talk about traffic jams, and I have been in the occasional one, and they usually last about three minutes. Three minutes. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, so they're not... They're not really traffic jams, we'll but people here think we'll they are, lock, we'll which I them. love. <laughs> what, so what, what are some of the main growth drivers, do you think, for the, for the Sunshine Coast? For people that are looking and investing in there and, and wanting sort of to get an idea about, um, you know, the, the forces pushing the capital growth, is, is it just, uh, you know, is it an affordability thing? Is it a lifestyle thing? Uh, you know, is it, is it just on the back of, of communities growing and, and, you know, Woolworths and Bunnings and all those sorts of things going in? Yeah, it's a big combination of stuff. So there's lots of infrastructure coming here sort of in the next five years. So in 2020, we're getting a super fast internet submarine cable straight into the Sunshine Coast. Um, That connection is going to attract lots of really big uh, data players. So potentially people like Amazon, Google, Microsoft, Apple are going to set up data centers here. So that's really exciting for us. Uh, Also... The airport here um, by 20 is going to become an international airport. So I think once that happens, it's going to really put us on the map. Plus, there's, like you said, there's all this other additional infrastructure. So we're getting this huge $300 million CBD transformation, um, which will be finished um, probably in the next five or so years. Um, what else is happening? Uh, we've got the Sunshine Coast University Hospital that's gone in, so that's really created a real boom, like a little mini boom around that hospital where the people who work there, doctors, etc., yeah. all want to let, live to be really close to it. Um, we've got Queensland's first large-scale solar farm, so lots yeah, and wow. lots of infrastructure is going I've, in. I've heard some people sort of talk about lifestyle markets, which I'm wondering if if, if the Sunshine Coast sort of mm-hmm. has some parallels with, with those sorts of areas, like Port Macquarie, for example. Um 
Port Macquarie has not necessarily been an investment uh-huh. hotspot because the idea is that it's a it's a retirement hotspot and people go there and they're not necessarily having the same sort of disposable income. So you know, retail sales and that sort of thing are a little bit su- subdued. Do you, do you think Sunshine Coast has some mm. some similarities, or is it just a little bit bigger and a bit more dynamic on the back of some of the things that you just mentioned? Yeah, I don't think that's the case. Sunshine Coast is definitely a lifestyle destination for you to live. It's a lifestyle. But I don't think you can compare it to Port Macquarie. It's one hour from Brisbane. It's attracting those big companies uh, like UE Insurance I mentioned before. Um, we're getting the international airport. So there's lots Not to of mention, exciting stuff going it's on It's a here. fairly uh, internationally famous destination on its own, I'm guessing. Noosa, of course, but then you've got the... You know, the the Steve Irwin mm-hmm. Wildlife Zoo is kind of out that sort of area as well, right? Mm-hmm. Sure Mikey. is, just down the road oh, from my house, gosh, yeah. Cut that out. <laughs> um, can, you, can you run us through the types of properties that are in demand and that you think w- would have sort of good-term um, growth potential for investors that are, that are looking? I mean, are, are people wanting to, to live in houses because of the abundance of, of land or is it the low-maintenance sort of units? What, 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 what are sort of, sort of some of the properties demand for, for purchases and tenants? It's quite varied. In regards to investors, it's quite varied. So there's still opportunities to buy houses quite close to the beach at relatively good prices. Um, and certainly around Maroochydore, the amount of infrastructure that's going into Maroochydore over the next couple of years, I think Maroochydore is going to become a real hotspot destination. Maroochydore is also uh, the centre of the Sunshine Coast. It's really close to the airport. It's on the beach, plus it's in that massive business district. So I think everybody should be looking at Maroochydore as somewhere to be investing for long-term capital growth. Um, people out here... We, we sell lots of acreage properties as well, but they're not particularly great investments mm-hmm. because you're really predominantly investing in the land um, and then the land needs to be maintained and the tenants aren't great at maintaining the land. So um, we sell lots yeah, of yeah. acreage properties, but not to investors. So what what sort yeah. of entry point are we, are we right, talking? Yeah. You, you, know, you, you can get something sort of fairly close to the beach in, in Maroochy Door. How, how does that sort of price compare to, to, to what, 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 what sort of numbers are we talking? You can get a house in Maroochydore at the moment for about six hundred fifty thousand yep. dollars. Yeah, mm. that's that's uh, that's. Uh, I suppose that's a that's a that's a reasonable sum, but compared that to the Sydney market, and you're not going to be close to the to the water. It's you know really really affordable, and I guess you know a similar proximity to the to the water. Um, you know, you're talking into the million dollars even in Brisbane. Would you say? Yeah, but also directly behind Maroochydore. Um, is Palmwoods, which, which is where I live. So that's directly behind Maroochydore. It's on the train line, and you can pick up houses there. It's 20 minutes away. You can pick up houses there for as little as 350000 yeah, wow. Okay, so some definite opportunities there. What, what about the rental side of things? Are we getting sort of reasonable yields? Um, is, is there um, a big demand for, for, for rental properties? Do, do you see much vacancy? Vacancy rates at the moment are at, at, at an all-time low. So right now, our agency has zero right. vacancies. When we get a property that we need to tenant, usually within seven days, we've, we've yep. found a tenant. Um, so we've got like a bit of a wait list at the moment. So certainly vacancies are extremely low right now. Again, just focusing on Maroochydore. Currently, Maroochydore house yields are around yep. 4%. Um, uh, apartments in Maroochydore are around 5%. Yeah, okay. So it compares yeah. sort of fairly well to, to Brisbane and we're probably talking, you know, mm-hmm. maybe double the yields of, of certain pockets of, of Sydney. So I guess quite 
quite reasonable mm-hmm. with with good vacancy. What what about you know we yeah. we talked about Stockland and and obviously there's there's big developers coming in that uh, that see opportunity in the Sunshine Coast market. Do you, do you see some risks to, to growth based on based on supply coming in, or, or is Sunshine Coast one of those markets mm-hmm. where it's so sort of broad that that would be just limited to small pockets? I would say that there's not going to be an, an issue like that again around the Maroochydore area, like around the central Sunshine Coast. But that new big Stockland development they're doing, that's a huge development. I, I potentially would see that there may be a yep. supply issue there supply and demand issue down there just yep. because of how large it is. But certainly in the other areas of the Sunshine Coast, I, I yep. don't see yep. it slowing down. And is there, a, is there a lot of demand for, for property at the moment? Do, do, do listings sort of go fairly quickly or do you st- is there a bit of time, um, you know, with days on market and that sort of thing? It's interesting, like I'm watching uh, the Sydney and Melbourne markets and seeing what they're doing and we've been protected from that. So we've had a really buoyant market but just recently – um, it's yep. now catching up on us. So we've lost about 70% of our right. buyer inquiry. Um, so with that decrease in buyer inquiry, yeah, the, the properties now are sitting on and the market for longer. And is that just a result of, 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 I guess, nationwide issues, you know, such as the, the tightening of, of lending standards and that sort of thing? Or is there something else you'd, you'd put your finger on? I'd say most, mostly due to the bank's. So those seventy percent of buyers that have left the market, they just yep. can't get finance now. Well, yeah, that's what they're yeah, telling okay. me. Now, um, yeah. we've we've obviously heard some great material from from the birds in the background. Um, it's uh, it's certainly made me want to chase a bit of lifestyle. But you've taken it too far, I think. You own seven goats. Now, I didn't have a question for this, but I'm just wondering if there's something you want to share with the spire. And I, who's got seven goats? Hopefully, you don't live in an apartment, and this is just getting a bit weird. <laughs> So um, sometimes when we sell somebody's house, um, they're moving to Tasmania or they're moving back to New Zealand or whatever, and they they um, they can't take their pets. So my wife just says, oh, I'll take it. So um, we recently had some people move back to New Zealand and we now have their cats. We've, we're doing a bit of a run on birds. <laughs> yeah. You can hear them in the background. We've just had to buy our first, our first double-decker <laughs> right. cage. So we're having a, having a bit of run on birds, and we just went and bought out this big double-decker cage and right. start to stack them. <laughs> but we've got like seven cats and five dogs. But it creates um, an interesting place to live too because we've had to create multiple right. backyards now because not all the dogs get on. <laughs> right. So so, so I'm guessing so that you have them. one of these acreages that you mentioned about. <laughs> Otherwise, uh, you've got animals on top of them, themselves. I'm picturing sort of a Noah's Ark situation. Yeah, we've got uh, 12, right, okay. 12 acres. So, so that, that's good. Yeah. You got you got an acre and a bit per goat. <laughs> so, so that's a that, that's a, that's, <laughs> that's an interesting right. sort of pitch to, to gain the listings. Oh, you know, we're struggling with a pet. I'll take it on board. Is that that's a pretty good point of difference, right? Your your number one selling agent for for a reason. Last night I got a, a new listing, and they have uh, seventeen <laughs> goats, and they're moving into an apartment right. in Budrum, and. Um, they said to me, "What are we going to do with our goats?" So I told them, "I'll talk to my wife." <laughs> An extra seventeen. Good, good luck with that. I'd love to be a fly on the wall with that conversation. Um, let's get back to you and uh, perhaps some of the less quirky parts about you. Um, you're pretty well regarded for your neg- negotiation, um, despite sort of charging in and paying the asking price for a two-unit um, property in Bexley some thirty years ago. Is, is um, 
is negotiation something that you see as a big part of securing an investment property at a at a right price or people talk about you know below market value and and what what advice would you have for investors in in negotiating with you know these uh, these crafty agents such as yourself <laughs> yeah so um my recommendation to buyers i suppose uh is get yourself organized so get your finance pre-approved um offer a decent deposit um and when you're dealing with agents and you want to make an offer insist that the offer gets put onto right. a sales contract not yep. just taken verbally and 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 what yeah. how does that sort of play is that just more of a psychological thing to the owner that this person has has demanded it to be put to you in these sort of serious terms so it shows that they're ready to go and we might miss that opportunity if we hold out for a higher price or something like that? Absolutely. Uh, but it also assists um, It assists the buyer in knowing that the agent's taking their yeah, offer okay. seriously as well. And yeah, if an agent's like, yeah, look, thanks for your offer, I'll talk to the owner, then it's all quite vague and it's yep. all very non-committal. So as a buyer, you're not really sure what the agent's yep. going to do with your offer and if they are yeah. even... Now, I remember there being sort of legislation, maybe it's just a New South Wales thing, that it was actually sort of uh, against the law not to pass on uh, uh, an offer to a vendor, which made me sort of wonder the question, you know, if people sort of say, I'll give you $5, do you legally have to give the landlord a call and annoy them with that sort of stuff? Is, 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 that, is, that, a, is that a thing that, that agents won't necessarily pass that on or is that just if they think it's a ridiculous sort of thing? Yeah, so um, in Queensland, we don't legally have to pass yeah. on all the offers. We're now up around about $700,000 and somebody wanted to make an offer of right. $400,000. I'll give you four. dollars um, Give me four ten. Fantastic. So, I've, I've, yeah, I'll write it down. Contract. Big deposit too. So, you know, I don't want to put my seller through the stress of, hey, here's an offer. It's um, $300,000 yeah. shy of what we need. I don't want to stress my clients out with that. So I'll take the offer and then find out if they're, how serious they are and if they are prepared to come up to the ask, to yeah, close yeah, to the asking okay. price. And when you mention sort of offering a large mm. deposit, I mean, typically a deposit um, would be 10% or sometimes you can negotiate a 5%. When you sort of say, you know, offer a big deposit, would, would that normally, are, you, are we talking 10% or, or is it practice for people to offer a larger deposit? Again, in Queensland, we can't legally take right, more okay. than 10%. Um, I also don't often take that much. 5% is certainly large enough. We get a lot of people saying that they like to make an offer and they want to supply us a $1,000 yeah, deposit. Which is not. <laughs> or a five, $5,000 deposit. And they say that they can't afford to pay any more than that. Yeah. That, I mean, that that's not a deposit, is it? I mean, back in the day, that used to be called a, a holding deposit and then sort of getting said you sort of can't call uh -huh. that anymore. I mean, that's just a... That's just yeah. sort of a flippant gesture. But, I mean, th these people have access to deposit bonds and that sort of thing, right? So that sort of would make you wonder about how serious they are. That's exactly right. So if somebody comes to us with a $1,000 deposit and they say that they, they can't afford to pay a larger deposit than that, then and it's subject to finance, we've got to seriously wonder about their ability. Yeah, so an investor that's finance. got a contract signed for maybe even five or ten grand less, but they're ready to pay a deposit straight away, may actually get that property cheaper than them just because the owner's wanting to, to wrap up the deal with someone that appears to be serious? Absolutely. It's not always about the biggest purchase price. It's well. also yeah, about I the conditions. I think that's great advice for, for investors. Yeah, now, um, 
in 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 customary LinkedIn stalking, which is which is part of my due diligence for for the podcast interviews, you're identifying as a real estate ninja. Now I'm wondering if that's just a just a quirky term, or is that? It seems like that might have been an acronym or something. Is is this something going on in the the marketplace, or is it just a just a thing that you identify yourself as? Um, last year, um, last year I sold 42 properties, sell more properties in my suburb than anyone else. Uh, 17, 17 of those were, um, record prices for the street. And one of my clients said, Oh, you're like a little ninja, <laughs> like a little real estate ninja. And then somebody else heard that and it kind of stuck. And then I thought, Oh, That's I'll good. put that on my we'll, LinkedIn profile. We'll have no black belts. No we'll black belts. To, we'll have to come up with a, a, a ninja hashtag or something like that. I'll talk to the marketing guys. We're going to make you famous. We tried to get uh, Brett Warren to do inverted push-ups and that fails, but um, we'll run with this ninja thing. Um, I, I'm interested to, to hear about your thoughts about, say, with your agency. Um, obviously, you're a boutique um, agency, um, your own name sort of thing compared to some big competitors, I, I assume. I, I don't know your particular area um inside out but i'm guessing you've got your you know the, the standard hookers and ray whites and century 21's first nationals that sort of thing what, do, you, do you think that there are advantage advantages in in selecting a, a local property management and sales office rather than one of the larger franchises oh uh, absolutely so my wife and i we come home at night um and while we're cooking dinner we talk about the day and we talk about our clients Wake up in the, we wake up in the morning, we talk about our day ahead, and we talk about our clients. Um, recently, a tenant had a hot water issue at 8 o'clock at night, so I was out there with him poking around the hot water system to try and get it working so they could have a hot shower. Another time, a client, a tenant who moved into a property um, Friday afternoon wanted to watch the footy. Um, they had no TV reception, so at 7 o'clock at night, I was around there lending my, in my TV wow. booster so to get the footy on. So, yeah, we really, really do care about our clients. Yep. And, and do you think that that's it. something that typically you just don't get from, from the majors because they're, they're, they're least likely to have the owners involved in the day-to-day and maybe just employing sort of more junior staff that perhaps don't have the care factor? Investors that end up switching to us, um, one of the main things they tell me is that the property manager that they had was kind yep. of like a bit, probably a bit too young. So I think a lot of the franchises potentially are hiring younger people that are um, they're probably not as experienced, yeah. have, don't have enough life and, experience. And this may make you uncomfortable, but if we make you sort of speaker A for the negative, what would be the advantages of, of working with a with a larger firm? I mean, I've, I've, I've often sort of wondered about the sales pitch of some of the franchises saying, you know, we have offices in, in Bahrain and, and Fiji and how that helps a property investor in Palmwood, I'm not sure. But are there, are there advantages in working with a, with a sort of more of a branded firm? Look, that's a really interesting question. I have worked as an agent in branded firms, and um, I think that probably the biggest advantage is simply brand awareness. Um, but when I've left those branded firms, I've, I suppose I found out I, that I didn't really need them. Um, we have the exact same access to the training that they get access to, and it's a case of a lot of people go to training and don't implement what they've learned. 
So, so I think back the main in the day, I'm awareness. guessing that, that people maybe went to an agent to see what they had to, to, to for sale and, and just looked at their stock. But um, given the internet such as it is, as it is the, at the moment, you know, everyone's got access to realestate.com and, and domain. And now we're sort of seeing um, mm. Google and Facebook sort of moving into the real estate market. Do you, do you think now is a even even easier time for there to be? boutique operators yeah oh absolutely so um like i said we have a central office we service the entire sunshine coast Mm -hmm. because we really um promote all our properties online yeah so tenants and buyers are online looking and they might be looking in caloundra and they're going to inquire on the property they found in caloundra regardless of where the office that's selling that property or tenanting that property is located. Because yep. you're going to them, I guess. The good old days of you sort of, you know, having a BMW and driving a, a buyer around for, for a couple of hours are c- kind of gone, right? That's definitely right, so, yeah. So what advice would you have for, for a property investor? Let's say they, they've purchased something in the Sunshine Coast or, or, or even anywhere and they're interviewing um, property managers to look after their property. What 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 are some of the important questions? Do you think, and, and are there any maybe red flags that um, you, you you think that they should be wary of? Online reviews. Everybody's now has a, a digital profile, so I would start by looking at online reviews. Yep. How yep. how sort of. Um, how, how fair online review services? I mean, because we, we've, we've, we've heard a little bit about, you know, things like Rate My Agent and that sort of thing and, and you can get, you know, the platinum package where your name comes up first. Like G- Google, I'm, I'm assuming, is, is a, is a, it's, a, it's a meritocracy sort of base setup where if you're good, you'll rise to the top. But are the waters a little bit muddy when you look at some of these more sort of subscription things where people are popping up number one and maybe they're paying for those positions? <laughs> you can't on on rate my agent. You can't pay to be the number one agent. You can pay to have yep. a bigger online profile, but you can't lie about the reviews your yeah, clients yeah, are writing enough. about you. Well, that's um, that's 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 refreshing. Yeah. I'm I'm glad to to hear about that. So, having worked in the Sunshine Coast market for over a decade, where, where have you seen investors do well? And and is there anything that you can sort of share with us that we might be able to to learn from? You know, it's it's probably just the investment basics, so uh, buy and hold, but also yep. buy around infrastructure. Um, so buy around train lines, buy around hospitals, buy around where um, lots of infrastructure is being invested. The best advice is almost always the most boring, right? It's it's just it's just funny how that works. <laughs> That's right. So there's no. It's funny people try and buy a property for like, oh yeah, I'm going to get it. $30,000 below market, but, you know, over time, that's yep. just going to be insignificant. Yeah. It's a bank repo or <laughs> it's a subdivide opportunity or it's, you know, an yeah. office downstairs and a retail upstairs. There's there's a million sort of flavor of the month ideas, I guess, for wealth creation, but you're saying that it's, it's all those fundamentals that we already know that we should be focusing on? Exactly. Right, so yeah, absolutely. I want some dirt and some insider secrets um for investors so obviously um 
agents are, are great when they're working on your behalf, but if you don't have a, a, a buyer's agent or an advocate working on your behalf, we talked a little bit about negotiation, but how are real estate agents sort of getting investors to, to pay more than maybe the owner would take? Can you, can you give us some... I know you don't want to sort of reveal your, your magic secrets too much, but are there bits of advice that you can give investors to, to help secure a, a property for a good price? Yeah, sure. So um, as agents, we won't really ever accept your first offer. So when you make your first offer, don't make it your best offer. Um, sometimes it's not about mm-hmm. price, it's about terms. So I, I said earlier, get yourself organized, make sure you've got a pre-approval, make sure you've got great terms, make sure you've got a big deposit. Um, um, make sure the agent is prepared yep. to put your offer in writing. And, and how are you see, sort of seeing vendors at the moment? Obviously, buyer inquiry is, is down. Are, are people sort of wanting to hold firm that prices uh, for prices that maybe they were going to achieve, you know, three to six months ago or are people's patients moving? I'm, I'm just, I'm wondering, you know, how, how important this sort of idea of loss aversion is. Are, are people likely to withdraw their property from market if the price isn't there or that people want to sell are just going to have to accept um, a lower price and, and move on? Mm. Yeah, that's a good question. Look, we're going, right now, we're going through a really big education process where we're having to educate our clients. Well, yeah, you saw those sales figures um, that happened three months ago. Mm. That's no longer achievable. You're not going to get those sort of figures for your house. And so we've got a combination of people that are just going to stay but or people that still do need to move. Um, and certainly if you're buying and selling in the same market, yep. um, it's not going to impact you too and, much. And, yeah, I'm, I mm. guess I'm wondering with the Sunshine Coast, if, you know, buyer inquiry is, is down 70%. Obviously, we talked about, you know, APRA and the problems with the banks. But I'm, I'm wondering also, is it similar to sort of Sydney and Melbourne? Has, has the Sunshine Coast had a bit of a run? Is it, is it coming off a boom? We haven't really had a boom. We've had kind of... Um, over the last five years, we've sort of had consistent capital yep. growth of like around 7%. So we never seem to have these massive peaks and troughs on the Sunshine Coast. We just seem to steadily mm-hmm. um, move along. Uh, I would probably say that 2019, though, yep. the market will continue to soften. And what sort of peak to trough sort yeah. of stuff are you, are, you, are you thinking? I mean, the, the Economist's uh, latest predictions for Sydney and, and, and to a lesser extent Melbourne, but we're probably talking, you know, peak to trough. 15%, 20% drops. Is the Sunshine Coast likely to see something like that or, or like the upside, is it a little bit more subdued on the downside as well because it hasn't had that huge run? Yeah, look, certainly the last time this happened to us here was in the global financial crisis and whilst the market here did soften, it didn't soften anywhere near as much as the Sydney and Melbourne market. So I suppose I'm hoping Do you think that we'll that's... get a similar result Sorry? here. I was going... I'm not... Yep. Yeah. I'm not do, an do economist, so I don't that's know. <laughs> just because Sunshine Coast is a lot less of a speculative sort of market, I'm guessing that there's 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 less of there's probably less investor activity as proportion of first homeowners than uh, in, in the Sunshine Coast rather than Sydney. So, do you, do you think that's maybe the the difference is that investors are maybe driving that last couple of percent of the booms, and we haven't had that in the Sunshine Coast, and that's why it's been a little bit more subdued. 
What, what, yeah, do, what do you see for the so future yeah. with the Sunshine Coast market? You know, obviously, in, investors that are struggling to, to get finance for investment properties in, in Sydney and Melbourne, I think, are still probably going to want mm. to invest. Um, if the banks aren't giving them as much, they might be sort of looking to, to regional areas. Where do you sort of see the Sunshine Coast market going and how would you sort of contract contrast that to, to Brisbane? Because people have called Brisbane the next hotspot probably for the last five or so years in the media, but it hasn't necessarily delivered on that. What, what, what do you see in the future for those two markets? Look, possibly um, investors are overseeing what's happening in the Sunshine Coast in the next five years. If investors did some research and looked into how much infrastructure is going in here over the next five years, they'd probably be coming here in droves. Right. So, so I think we've got a really bright future. You've heard it here first, uh, folks. <laughs> so remember me at Christmas. Um, Byron, how do, how do people get in touch with you if they want to, to learn a little bit more about the market or, or look for investment property uh, options there or, or perhaps have a, a property they want you to look at to manage? You know, I, I love when people call me. So the best thing is to just dial my number, 0435 or they can find me on my website, assetagents.com.au. And soon to be ninjaagents.com.au. <laughs> I should register that. You should. Careful. This, uh, it's probably got a, a week or two before we're, we're going live, so you've, you've got a tight window. Um, Byron, if there's, if there's one piece of advice that you impart you know, on your on-the-ground knowledge of the Sunshine Coast and, and, and being an investor yourself and, and working with investors for, for, for a number of years, what, what would that advice be? Probably the biggest thing I notice um, is when an investor comes to us and they've had their property managed mm. elsewhere, often when we take that property over, the first thing we notice is it's been under-rented by up to $100 a week. $100 a week. How? Yep. How? So they're, like, they're missing out on like about $5,000 so, a year. <laughs> um, you know, normally we have sort of a, like a, a snappy quick answer to that and i say you know it's been a pleasure you know talk to you next time we're gonna to have to drill down on this i mean that that seems incredible like it, it, does your sort of market have five-year leases and this just sort of happens organically like surely the the property manager is incentivized to perform these rent reviews because you're paying them to do that but also they're getting they're getting a cut of the rental return so that i can't it doesn't work for me mentally talk talk us through it yeah, this is this is a bit of a real, real inside industry gossip right now. Um, a lot of property managers, it's it's much easier for them to say to the tenant, "Oh, look, we're going to do a rental increase of five dollars, or we're going to do a rental increase of ten dollars." That's a much easier conversation for them with the tenant than actually saying, "Hey, we've just checked the market, and the the rental uh, market now has gone up forty five dollars, so we're going to have to do an increase to the market." So they just do these five and ten dollars. Aren't increases. there incentives though for property managers to 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 maybe sort of terminate that that tenancy because they're going to get leasing fees or lease preparation fees or some sort of admin fees? Aren't they sort of incentivized to 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 be doing that anyway, or is it just a little bit easier to just kind of run it as it is and not upset the apple cart and you don't have to worry about open open for inspections and that sort of stuff? Yeah. It's not easier for a property manager who's employed by a big franchise and they're managing 120 properties and they don't get any incentives yeah. or rental increases. And, and how interested are they going to be in, in charting you know, rental, rental averages in that particular area, I guess? 
Yeah, that's exactly right. But for me, as somebody that's like at the cold face with myself, my, my wife and I, we get really excited when we can start making our clients. I tell my clients, with us, yeah. you're going to retire well, wealthier. I mean, on, <laughs> on those numbers, I think you've got a reasonable case. So how do investors avoid getting in that position themselves? I mean, should, should, should we be looking at you know, the average rental return on a periodic sort of basis ourselves and, and, and not trusting the agent and, unless they're actually being sort of on the front foot and forthcoming and saying, look, we need to up the rent because the market's telling us that we're too cheap? Yeah, look, that's a great that's a great question, Mike. There's two things that they can do. They can do their own research around um, current rents in their area, or they can ask another agency to do what's called a remote appraisal. So they would essentially provide you yeah. with um, an email or something in writing to say, you know, we've looked at the property online, we've done a drive by, we've seen comparable mm-hmm. rentals for three eighty. Your property mm-hmm. is inferior, superior to the tune of ten dollars. So we think it should be X. That's roughly how it works. That's. That's right, and the, the agency should be able to supply those comparable yep. details as well. So it's called a CMA, and they should be able to say, "And here's eight properties comparable to yours, and what went there." Market analysis. How to do? Look at that. Nailed it. On that's that it. note, that's I think it. We yep. will wrap it up because it's not often I get to end on such a high. But um, that's fantastic advice, Byron. Obviously, if, if if you're renting out a property from a cash flow point of view, um, you know maybe you can afford to to be renting it out under market, but it doesn't sort of make sense to to me. So that's fantastic advice, and and thank you for for everything you've shared today. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Mike. Cheers, Byron. Mm-hmm.